Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Election Performance sponsors this episode of the Open Guardcast. Open Guardcast 25 is the discount code if you want to get your muscles ripped like that of a demigod. If you want to look like Perseus himself, I never saw him, but I'm sure you're more handsome. And if you want to be as thick and deadly as the Greek demigod himself, Election Performance is the way to go. Open Guardcast 25. I am joined, as always, by Danny O'Donnell. My name is Jake Watson, and we are here with the second best mustache I've ever seen on a human being, David Garmo. The second best. How do you do? Second. Who's the second? Who's the first? Jordan Peitzman, of course. Jordan Peitzman, owner of Subspectrum. Ladies and gentlemen, another announcement. Remember, Open Guardcast is the official commentary team of BJJ Woodstock. Don't forget, I'm there. I'm fighting Matt Layton, who... Posted today that he's using his kids' class to exercise to become stronger for the event. Guess what? I'm a kids' coach, too. I am also going to employ my kids to play tug-of-war with me so my grip strength can get better. Anyway, we're here with David Garmo. David, so much for uh, thank you so much, rather, for coming on the show. Sorry, I think you guys – What happened? As this happened, you, like, lagged. Yeah, my bad. But uh, thank you for having me on. Of course, dude. Well, you are in a laboratory. Those of us, uh, those of you listening on <laughs> Spotify and iTunes and other audio-only sources can't see, but David Garmo is in Dexter's laboratory right now. Robots I'm basically everywhere. a scientist. Basically a scientist. Basically. Just so well, yeah. I, I mean, I, what is that pink in the background? That is a goo that yeah. I've been working on. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's supposed to give you some type of uh, higher energy during the adult times. Oh, like Oh, yeah. so I, I was thinking it was like something nefarious that I would use for jujitsu competition, but it, you're saying it's a hangover cure. No. No, something else. Other adult <laughs> something times. Else. That's disgusting. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I had to like, I just took a sip of a protein shake. I had to spit it out because I didn't realize we were getting that adult. Well, it's actually funny you say that because I actually had a guy today tell me that he used a Cialis before training and he said he had incredible cardio. Oh my so. goodness. You know yeah. what John Jones got popped for? Or so he says? I think it was that was from a gas bad. station, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cialis is prescription. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he had the gas, he had the gas right. station dick pill? That's horrible. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Everybody and their mother told people not to do that. Like, <laughs> like don't you did this even first of all there's like eight pills in that container are you supposed to take all of them at once or just one at a time i don't know i've never actually read them but they all sound so aggressive like a rhino triple xl you know <laughs> my family yeah, my, my family owned like liquor stores so like we had these like these were these were on the counter so i'm like why do these all have such aggressive names like you know the gorilla you know something or yeah. other it's like shark teeth twenty three thousand. it's like whoa exactly. my god exactly anyway David, thank you so much um, for not only wearing your VHT, very hard to submit. Sorry, I had to sound it out. I'm not very smart. Um, thank you for wearing that. But also, we uh, we have some questions about how you got started in jujitsu, and we like to use this show as a way to invade uh, people's personal lives and um, you know get people to get to know them. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's either. Uh two two ways i got into jiu-jitsu first one was i started martial arts when i was like five years old 1995 um my mom put me in this martial arts academy and uh, they actually had brazilian jiu-jitsu from a brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt um who owned the school and taught and he also taught other martial arts but that was like i was fine you know like i kind of knew what jiu-jitsu was but it wasn't like what it is now um and then i 
went back to jiu-jitsu when I was 18 because I didn't like college. And I thought I was going to fight in the UFC. So I'm like, I'm just going to do that. So I faked going to school for like two and a half years and just went to practice every day. And then eventually told my parents that I just dropped out. And then eventually told them I actually didn't go at all. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. 1995, you were five years old. That means mm-hmm. in 1990, you were born. Yes. What was, uh, the, the year 2000 like, like were, did people think the world was going to end? I just never yeah, met anybody I, who's as close to Danny's age as you, I don't think. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we actually had, so, uh, the 1999-2000 New Year's party was at our, our, like at my house with like a bunch of family and legit like they were wait like everybody like waited for when that ball dropped for like the lights to go out and like explosions to happen. It was like legit like they they yeah. we were partying but at the same time I was ten I wasn't partying I was running around but parents were partying family was partying all that and then we were just waiting for it. It didn't happen and then everything went back to normal. Okay. That's that's kind of scary. I feel like people, I was scared. People thought that all the computers were going to crash, which is really weird. They thought that it couldn't handle the date change to zero zero at the end, <laughs> which is like, well, I'm pretty sure they can, but that was like a real thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Those computers were pretty bad back then. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's so true. like, it, I mean, that it was a real, that was a real threat, you know. But uh, yeah, that was that was that. But I don't remember too much of it other than that. That's kind of an unrelated question. I mean, like when I was – when 2012, like, you know, remember 2012 and everybody was like, oh, my God, the Mayan calendar, the world's going to end. I was legit. Like I was freaked out. I straight up – I spent so much time on the internet like just looking up everything that's going to happen that day and just totally convincing myself. And I was like praying every night before bed to please God, don't let the world end and stuff like that. And man, I was just scared. So I just wanted to see if it was as scary and uh, it sounds like you dealt with it a lot better than I did. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I guess I didn't really care. It was, it was just like, <laughs> I'm like awesome. uh, you know, I think uh, like outside, like outside stimulus, like that stuff doesn't really bother me. Like when people like, if like, oh, like the uh, financial crisis, like, uh, okay, I'm broke now. I mean, no big deal. Like these, <laughs> like all these other things outside of like my immediate life, I don't really care so much about. Um, I don't know. Well, Danny, to put things into perspective of how I met David Garmo, and uh, I've I've seen you compete before. Like I told you at Jits King, which is where I officially met David. Um, <clears throat> he fought Devontae Johnson, who was a previous guest on our show as well. And uh, I was just studying Devontae. I think I was he was going to be in the open division at an event I was attending. I was like, ah, what if I see him in the open? I want to study. And then uh, I saw David guillotine him, and I was like, oh my god! I was like this. This man, this uh, shorter than Devontae. I don't want to say short, but like shorter than Devontae, man. I'm short. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Devontae's giant. So, um, and you got him in a really, really nasty guillotine. And then I remember me and you, un- unfortunately, fought the the best guillotines in the tournament and suffered the same result. But take me through uh, how everything's going with like you in in New York right now, because you're in New York, right? No, I'm in uh, outside Detroit. Oh, are you from New York? No. Oh my God. That's just thought about that because his shirt so says sorry. New York on it. Yes. That's not a horrible judgment call to make. I'm no, sorry. It's not. I thought he was kind of sounds like he's got like a, I don't know, like a hey, give me a hot dog. I say I, I say coffee. You know, it's okay. Yeah. Well, 
So how was your how was everything with the main gist of it was how is everything going at your academy? Is everything good down there in Detroit? Um, so, you know, things are a little weird here because we're not allowed to be open. It's been since March 15th, we closed our doors and it is now July 8th and uh, we're can't we can't open. So the gym is like in this weird, weird spot. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not training. But like we're not allowed to be open. I can't advertise. I can't do. I can't do really much outside of like things here and there. Um, so it's really it's tough because we just opened our gym, uh, Assemble Jiu Jitsu, March 2019. You know, uh, we invested a lot of money. We built a really nice place and uh, you know just packed it full of stuff. You know, of the best stuff that we could buy because we were looking at you know big picture down the line and. Uh, we wanted to invest in that right away. And, you know, we were on a roll, you know, getting students left and right, and, you know, building our programs and all of that stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, hard stop. And, and that's what happened with everybody, right? I mean, so I'm not the only person that was feeling that. But luckily, um, you know, I was able to put money away. You know, I, 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 I only spend money on very specific things. I'm like super cheap when it comes to certain things. And then like I spend lavishly on others. And luckily the things that I spend lavishly on are typically not super crazy. And uh, I was able to put a lot of money away. So it didn't affect me financially too much, like my personal life. Um, but, you know, we had to, you know, work with our students and all that stuff just to make sure that we were are going to be here when things open back up. But we have, you know, we're going to be here. So, you know, that's. Mm -hmm. Best case scenario. Not everybody can say that, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I think it's pretty crazy that it seems like a lot of gyms were building their student base like a lot right before this hit. So a lot of a lot of academies were growing, a lot of new academies were opening. It was pretty crazy. But uh, so you said you're in Detroit. So what do you feel like has changed like in the Midwest jujitsu scene over the past like five years? Um, it's definitely grown a lot. I mean, um, the Midwest. I guess so. Like. What I think of the Midwest and what is actually the Midwest is are two different things. So, like, for whatever reason, in my mind, the Midwest has always been Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, and like Chicago. And then I know like the like the people in like Iowa will be upset because they are like the actual Midwest. Um, <laughs> but you know, like they've, I mean, that that's grown over there as well with guys like Layton opening up their academy and stuff like that. But I think um, a lot of the um, the generation of really good like guys who are pretty strong competitors from like starting from like five and six years ago are now in black belts and stuff and have kind of moved and kind of spread out and kind of opening their own schools and doing uh, more competition oriented training, uh, which has been spreading out. And like, so you see all these competitions growing like exponentially almost the, like the biggest tournament that I did in the Midwest uh, without it talking about the Chicago Open or something like that, but like a local event was like 200 people. That was like 10 years ago. Now they're like 500. So like the scene is just, you know, it's getting way bigger. And then there are tournaments like every, you know, every few weeks now versus like once every three months or once every four months. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of really good guys coming out of the Midwest, especially because there's such good wrestling out of Michigan and Ohio. Like it's incredible. You know, and these guys are finally they're realizing that they have nothing to do. You know what I mean? Even these guys are not, like, you know, all American type wrestlers, but like the guys who are like really good high school wrestlers or like middling uh, collegiate wrestlers, guys who don't really have a future at the, at the next level um, and don't want to fight MMA. They're doing jiu-jitsu now and like 
you're going to see a lot of those guys do really well in the few in the coming years. Yeah, I'm actually from uh, the Chicago area, so it's pretty interesting what you said about like how a lot of the guys who are like really good blue and purple belt competitors now they're black belts. They're opening their academies, and I feel like that's like really a, a big step for the Midwest is like having those guys who started as really good competitors and competing really actively at the lower belts. Now they're starting to get to be black belts and, you know, they're opening their academies and just kind of spreading jujitsu more throughout the Midwest. Yeah. Well, like the, the, the biggest thing is like when I was coming up, right, like all of the instructors were all older guys, right. There were yeah. guys who just were martial artists, right. They, you know, I'm sure they could, you know, a lot of them competed, um, but not all of them were like, diehard competitors there were guys that had regular nine to five jobs that then decided to because they wanted to open up a gym and then like teach people and but now you're getting guys who are like this is all they want to do all they want to do is you know train jiu-jitsu teach jiu-jitsu make money doing jiu-jitsu and now there's that ability and so like people are taking it uh maybe a little bit more seriously on the training front uh versus it being a little bit more casual um like it you know like it was you know when i was training and stuff like that early on but um i think there's gonna be there's gonna be it's gonna be a lot more developed in the next five or ten years than it was obviously five ten years before i definitely noticed that too i feel like that was one of the biggest differences when i moved out to arizona is that like the instructors were my age and there were guys who were just you know training and competing full-time and yeah that was definitely definitely a big difference from back in the midwest at least five or six years ago for sure yeah um that reference danny's older than you David. <laughs> oh, um, seriously? 89, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, you look young. Yeah. Good <laughs> Just got his black belt, too, man. Hell yeah. I always bring yeah. that up. I'm going to start bringing, I'm bringing that up for at least three more episodes. No, don't. Don't promoter. do it. I was so happy. I was so happy. You anyway. Just, you um, just got your black belt? Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome to the club. One of us. One of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of being a hardcore competitor, I'm reading on your BJJ Heroes page. Shout out to BJJ Heroes. That you were taking regular trips out to Tokyo, Japan to train at Carpe Diem. Uh, yeah, well, uh, originally it was I was just going out there because I was living out there like for a few months at a time. Um, and I found Carpe Diem and then I'm like, all right, well, now I have like, you know, my boys are there. Like I have good training out there. So I just kept going back. Yeah, it was. I didn't go out to Tokyo to specifically train. It just so happened that it worked out that that was a, an added bonus to it. Why were you in Tokyo then? Um, why not? Tokyo's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I don't randomly find myself going to like Nicaragua. Like, <laughs> well, maybe you should. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's, that's true. Maybe You're right. Life right. Nicaragua is an arbitrary company or country choice, by the way, but yeah, continue. Yeah. So I went, I actually went to Tokyo the first time just on vacation. I went there for two weeks and like a weekend, I'm like, holy shit, this is the greatest place in the world. I need to move there. And, uh, I, I with what I was doing for work, um yeah i own a company called modern flow so we make like uh the anime inspired geese if you've ever seen them uh like goku style gear or like naruto uh, theme geese and stuff like that oh that's crazy i remember getting really mad at one of our students when we <laughs> trained at the agent for having one of those like why would you buy that well, <laughs> now i feel really that, bad cheers <laughs> to that guy. all right i remember you uh, had the uh, business <laughs> the orange gi was that you yeah, that's the Goku Gi. Yeah, that's that's yeah. me as well. He had nice. that one. He had a Goku Gi. I was like, why did you buy that? It's not even illegal. He's like, I just really wanted it for open mat. I'm like, no. Dang it. So that, that Gi single-handedly has kept me, uh, has allowed me to travel all over the world, uh, which is that's pretty incredible. awesome. You know, that's but um, so like I was just working from home. So I was like working from my, I literally would wake up in the morning and put my laptop in my lap 
I'd work for like an hour and a half. I'd put my laptop down and then I'd take a nap and then I, I could do whatever I want. I literally had nothing to do. And nobody and everybody else had to work. So like I was just bored. So I'm like, all right, fuck, I'm just going to go on vacation. And I'm going to go to Tokyo. And then, then I realized, like, all right, I can just move here. It cost me a little bit more money. So I had to kind of like save up and do it. And then I just went for three months, came back home for a few months, went back, et cetera, et cetera. I ended up staying there probably for like a year total, like if you combine all the time. That's crazy. What was training like? Uh, what was the training at Carpe Diem like? Because um, you know, a topic that comes on the show a lot is like the ideal training environment. And you had molten, and you have a couple because you have your gym back home, and you have the gym. You haven't been there in a bit, right? You haven't been there in uh, Carpe Diem. Yeah, bit. it's been about a year since I've been there uh, last. Yeah, um, but the training was really good. So like, I so one thing that's really important to me coming up. I've trained at like 50 different schools. Um, you know, I always had my home schools that I was training at, but then I travel all the time. I go to, New- I've been to New York like dozens of times to train at like Henzo's. I've been to Marcello's. Um, I've been to Clockwork. It just that that's just New York. Other other Henzo affiliates and all over the country. Like I always go somewhere to train, and I always want to see what training is like. Um, but when I was in Tokyo, the one thing that I really liked about what they did was all the instructors were pretty much young guys, young hungry competitors and uh <clears throat> they had to teach every class right there was like 25 classes a day you know and there was three different schools and there was like you know eight instructors so like they had to teach all day they couldn't really train super hard during their classes because um it just wasn't convenient so we would have these uh staff training sessions so like the guys who were like basically above 165 pounds would train together and then there would be like the small guy training which I was never invited to, which because <laughs> they, they really like their small guy training. So guys like uh, Tomiyuki Hashimoto, who's a um, you know, uh, uh, I think he's a Nogi uh, World Seven Medal, two-time Nogi World Seven Medals Pan Am champion, um, et cetera, et cetera. He had his guys, yeah. He would have his guys, and he would um, he would train with the with the small guys, and then it'd be me, guys like Thomas Meets, um, Hi Samrita. Um, you'll probably end up fighting him at some point soon because he's a heavyweight. He's a beast. A beast. You know okay. No, I no, wait. Say it again. What's his name? Hi, Samrita. Six foot five, black guy. Oh what? no! Uh, I don't. I don't. I never. I'm not okay. First of all, I have ten pounds until I'm even really a medium heavyweight. I've been fighting a medium heavyweight like eight pounds under the weight division because I don't want to cut the extra four to go to middle. Well, yeah, you are skinny, but you're so <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. It's because I called him short earlier. <laughs> hey, I, I know that I'm short. That's the, there's no problem with that. I know that I'm short. It works. So I, I can control how skinny I am, though. That's the difference. I can't. <laughs> it's turned really hostile all of a sudden. Continue. I'm sorry. But like, there was a bunch of guys over there, uh, guys like uh, Kazuki um, and uh, Iwasaki, um, who's beaten guys like Kanudo and Edwin Najmi and uh, all these guys, and we all train together. Um, and then we have guests from different schools come in, but like during those staff training sessions, it was, you know, anywhere between like five and eight guys and we would just kill each other. It was, it was fantastic. I mean, we would always be wrecked afterward, but like not injured, but like just exhausted. And, um, that was a really cool way of doing it because it was, you know, most of the time when I've experienced training, it's like do class and then you train afterward, right? Like do class, train afterward. That's like the normal schedule of things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think doing class and like learning technique and drilling and all that stuff is super important. But like training becomes really long if you want to train for an hour after an hour class. Like 
mentally I'm always exhausted when I do that. So knowing that I could just come in, warm up and then roll in like a structured environment was fantastic. In addition to my drilling days and like all that stuff. Um, and we do different positional sparring, you know, um, we worked on like things that I had really hadn't worked on before, different, different positional stuff that I had never worked on before, different kind of like, um, okay, if he does this, then we're going to stop and we're going to reset, but we're really trying to go for this specific type of thing. So, um, yeah, the training was really good. I, I always really enjoyed it. Nice. I think that's pretty cool too, what you said about how you had different drilling and sparring days, because I don't think that's really common at all, at least not from what I've heard. Um, but do you think there's a benefit to doing that? Like maybe having certain days of the week where all you do is roll and certain days where all you do is drill, or even if you're doing two sessions a day, maybe like splitting one, just drilling one, just rolling. Yeah. I think that, I think it's gotta be like that unless, unless you thrive in an environment where you can just pound jiu-jitsu into your brain all day. I'm not that guy. I train like right now, like when I teach, I teach you know two classes a day, but that's that's my job right mm -hmm. if i didn't if i didn't ever have to teach i would train once a day. i would but i would put everything into that one session everything um now that doesn't mean that i might not drill in the morning but like it's not going to be hard stuff i'm not going to like i don't want to work up this incredible sweat and like get really going and then come back a few hours later and train really hard but i'm also not in that top 0.01 percentile of people who win so i might not be the best person to take advice from you know i i know guys like gordon train all day and they're training consistently it just never worked for me like i like to enjoy my jiu-jitsu and you know one training session a day has always been really good for me and also i've avoided injuries doing that whenever i trade more than that i always got kind of fatigued and then i kind of got fucked up and i don't like to do that so mm -hmm. Well, I think that there's something to be said for, uh, and I don't like to be that guy who takes up the pitchfork and goes on a steroid rampage, but like when you're taking, when you're an athlete like that, who's able to train all the time and somehow you're miraculously not hurting, you weightlift three days a week and you train every single day and you just can't stop either. You are actually blessed by a Greek God, or you are taking some sort of helpful thing anyway. Um, I just think that like, like I can't train <laughs> like that, dude. And I, I'm doing well, like I'm getting up there in the ranks and I'm doing like you, but I can't train like that either, dude. I, I because I, again, I'm skinny and that's why like somebody came up to me one time and was like, do you take steroids? And I was like, excuse me. I was like, do I look like I take steroids, brother? Like, so Best compliment ever. <laughs> no, I, I showed him. I was like, I'm not even going to accept that. Look at my arm. And he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's two forearms stacked on top of each other. I get it. But, uh, that's, I just think that when you don't feel too bad about not being able to train as hard as some people all well, the time. You know what I mean? I, I can't weightlift. I can barely do a full schedule yeah. like that. I've been doing this too long. I don't care. Like if people like, there's a lot of people that tell me they train like three times a day. Like these are blue belts and stuff. I'm like, no, you don't. You're like, <laughs> like, but they've, they've, conv they've convinced themselves that they do because they did it once. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they did it again, like up the following week, but nobody, there's very few people that train jiu-jitsu at a high level that are able to put that much training together. Guys like the Meows have done it consistently throughout their entire career from what I've seen. Um, but there's just not that many people that can do that and have longevity in their career. Yeah. The, only, the thing that has allowed me to uh, actually become, you know, um, win consistently um, throughout my, you know, from white belt to black belt is like I was just able to stay in this sport that long. 
you know, a lot of guys way more talented than me, way more athletic, way more technical. Um, you know, they train really, really hard for short periods of time and then they take time off and then, you know, maybe they don't see as much, um, uh, progress, uh, because they're doing it that way versus like, you know, they see progress in the short term, but never in the long term because they kind of take the time off and then eventually they stop training. I beat those guys because i just keep doing five and six days a week for 12 years, you know? And, uh, I'm still young. I'm, you know, younger years. I'm 30. I could probably do that for like another five. And then who knows, fall off, you know, bodies that fall off rails, but you know, but like you drop a Mr. Potato head from too high and everything falls off. That actually did happen to me. I did take a little bit of time off jujitsu once, uh, a few months and I felt terrible, terrible. My body, really? went to my knees went bad. My elbows went bad. Shoulders went bad. Um, I, I think you just got to keep it going until you die. Wow, that's okay. <laughs> that's a dark note to end on. Uh, but hey, you know, I uh, I'm trying. I mean, I'm 22. I'm trying to compete in the adult division for as long as like 34, 35. I'm gonna try to see if I can compete as an adult for that long. I know it's hard. It's 13 years away. So like, I don't. I can't. I can't predict how injured I'm gonna get. But I I definitely. Uh, I get frustrated sometimes, like with results. Um, like the last three tournaments I've done, I lost in the first run every time, uh, and I got like frustrated. But then I have to remind myself it's my first year at black belt, so like I can relax because I'm looking for longevity. I'm not necessarily looking for like hitting my peak and then you know my body shuts down. I don't want to be like Ronnie Coleman, you know. I want to be like <laughs> able to, and that's a real like I saw him and I was like, dude, that's not me. I don't want to be the best and then all of a sudden my body doesn't work anymore. I want to be the best and then. Hey, I'll, I'm okay with not being the best anymore. Let's calm down, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the guy was like eight-time Mr. Olympia. So, like, he did it for a while. <laughs> I know, and he did not take care of himself, dude. Yeah, take care of yourself. Follow David Garmo's example and take care of yourself. Speaking of taking care of business, <laughs> so that, that, uh, that uh, segue, your grappling record, I see 33 submission wins, which is a lot. Uh, and what? One of them says, first of all, 11 knee bars. That's insane. Yeah, That's a lot of knee bars. And knee bar, I have never hit a knee bar in competition. I don't think I ever will. Uh, I do not. Like, I'm not good at knee bars. But I see one is by verbal tap. <laughs> do you remember that? What did he tap from? Who is it from? I don't know. Uh, let's look. Let's look. I'm going to look. But, uh, yeah, it's it's by verbal tap um come on i really want to find out dude like i re <laughs> charles mcguire at nogi worlds in 2018 the absolute division charles mcguire yes sir and, and then you fought Coast? him again oh yeah okay so this guy charles mcguire he's an awesome individual he's the guy that he's that really old guy not really old he's probably in his 50s who fights in the adult black belt division Mm -hmm. At every IBJF event, you guys know what I'm talking about. I have. I he was in. I believe he was in my division, Nogi Pans, and he I couldn't think, make it. Oh, he didn't make. Okay, so this guy has been at almost every. Like I fought him in London too. He doesn't make. I like he just goes and does every tournament, but he fights in the adult division, which makes no sense except for he wants the experience. But he always. Yeah, he's a, he's an older guy, he's a super nice guy. I put it, I put an ankle lock on him, I believe, or maybe that one uh, was an arm bar. But like, he's an old guy, so like, I didn't. He just tapped, and so I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna break his arm, you know? Okay. Even though it is at the Nogi Worlds, but I, I there was no, it wasn't necessary. Is you know, he? He's a taller man, right? He's very tall. 
Not no, not like you tall. He's probably like five nine. Oh, he's five nine, two hundred pounds. Like he's he was like a fireman or something like that. Super nice guy. You know, can't say enough nice things about him. I just don't understand why he competes in the adult division. Yeah, he, I'm thinking of the wrong guy then. Um, but one other thing I noticed from looking at your um, <clears throat> just you know the different terms you competed in, uh, you don't do a whole bunch of gi, do you? Not since uh, not since black belt. Not since black belt. I um, my hands <laughs> the the gi hurts the fingers <laughs> and. Uh, Unless you're training it every day, um, obviously the grips go to shit. Um, and it's hard to train gi every day and also train for submission only, no gi rule sets with leg locks. And that's what I have been enjoying more um, over the last three year, you know, three or four years. So um, I still teach in the gi. I still train in the gi, um, you know, a couple days a week. But competing in the gi, it's just like um, – it's just not it's not as fun as it used to be. Now I used to do mostly gi events. Um, I would do you know every gi event there was you know Pans Worlds um, you know IBJF Chicago a bunch of those other events and stuff like that all the time, including local events. But since I got my brown black belt, I was just mostly trying to stick to no gi stuff. I'm noticing an interesting trend, Danny. Like with like we because I feel like a lot of the people we we interview on our. Uh, on our show is like either they're all no gi and they they still do a little bit of gi but it's mostly to keep on training in the gi but they're hardcore no gi competitors or they're hardcore gi competitors like myself when i trained when i went to jits king um i didn't do any no gi to prepare for that not smart right going against john combs probably should have you know maybe cross trained somewhere but I, I i just didn't i don't have that ability sometimes i'm just working yeah um and i thought i'd be fine turns out i wasn't but I, I am mostly a gi competitor. Danny, I have never seen Danny in no gi gear, so I don't know. Maybe he maybe he does in secret. I don't know. But I've been uh, no gi a few times, but mostly in the gi. But mostly in the gi. Yeah. Do you notice that trend too? I feel like yeah, there's very absolutely. few competitors that do both. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, because I think now the game has developed to the point where it is much, much more difficult than it was even, say, six years ago to be the best gi guy and the best no gi guy yeah. right like yeah. um, the the skill sets have become so different um you know back in the day you know guys like hodger could just do both i mean and then hodger is like a, maybe not the best example because he was just so good and so dominant um but like everything is different right like everything is different like the game that you play in in the gi is vastly different that i'm sure than the, the game that you would try to play nogi right mm -hmm. like you can't use any grips like you can't it just there's no there's no sleeve grips collar control there's no pant pant grips to use and uh, for me i'm five foot six and i fight in the middleweight division those guys are all gigantic like not thick and what they're all so tall if people grab my pants it's just it's so hard right so like I have to use a different type of skill set in nogi to allow for that height disparity, uh, that height difference between me and my opponents. And I know how to do that way better nogi than gi, and doesn't translate very well, you know, unless I'm going against somebody that's just not nearly as good. But now at this level, you know, you know this that everybody's good now. Like mm -hmm. there's no, like there's so so few easy matches, um, and you might get those only because there's you're at you know, some IBJF event where one of the local school owners wants to jump in and, you know, that's not, you know, and that's not that great, but 
Um, yeah, I think it's just too hard. I think it's too hard to be incredible at both. Um, I think there's still some guys that can do it. Uh, and there are guys that are uh, still doing it. But um, then you have all the different rule sets. Like, how are you going to be super good using lapel, like, you know, like lapel guard and like the stuff that Keenan loves to do? And then also be able to be super proficient with leg locks and, you know, wrestling and, you know, defense and all that stuff. I think it's just, it's just too much. Jiu-Jitsu is already too much. You know, there's already so much in Jiu-Jitsu in just one or the other. Combining them both together and being really amazing at both. It's just, it's hard. Not yeah, impossible, so but hard. Something that you said that just kind of stood out to me was like the rule sets, I think, is the biggest difference. Because like an ADCC rule set is kind of incentivizing like really good wrestling and good leg locks and that's pretty much the exact opposite of ibjjf you can pull guard whenever you want there's no penalties for anything like that you can't reap so the leg locks are uh more limited so it's just like it's probably good if you want to just be like the most well-rounded you can be to do both but to be like the very top of both would probably be incredibly difficult nowadays well just like one one other example here it's like think about taking the back right like how do you typically take the back yeah, from a passing position or from like from being on top of somebody you get a near guard pass guy doesn't want to give that guard pass up right he doesn't want to get three points scored on him he tries to bail outside and then you take his back right like that that's a pretty common way that's a way that i've always taught that's the way i've always learned and that's like one of the easier ways to do it right outside of like other stuff mm-hmm. <clears throat> in a submission only format nobody gives a shit if you get your guard pass there are no points so like you can't do those same things the, everything becomes different when you change the rules up, you incentivize different things. Uh, you know, just like your ADCC example, it's just, you know, in the gi, you don't have that, you don't have that submission only option very often. And you don't have it at the highest level. Uh, typically. I mean, there's every so often somebody will put on the submission only, uh, gi event, but like who watches that, you know, fight to win. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't typically watch the, <laughs> I, <don't laughs> the gi matches. I watch the no gi, I watch the no gi matches more often. Oh, so you yeah. just turn it off? I understand <laughs> I, muting. Yeah, I understand I just, muting it, but I, I, turning it off. I, I, I'll, I'll just like switch to Netflix and I'll switch back. I mean, unless it's a really <laughs> incredible match, like if it's somebody that is two guys that I really want to see. Um, but typically, I'd rather just watch the Mogi ones. Okay. Well, I'm offended, but okay. <laughs> I'm a little offended. What do you think about the commentary? I've heard I've heard uh, so many complaints lately about fight to win commentary. What What is your opinion on it? Okay. Um, <laughs> anything that starts I out really with, like okay. your shows. I really like your shows. Okay. So don't, don't take offense to this, but, and I, I think the guy does so much. It's, he can't like quality control every single commentator that he has in every single place, but the commentary is garbage. It's terrible. <laughs> but, but, but at, it, sometimes it's better than having nothing happening. Um, and not all of them are created equal. Some of them are way worse than others. And some of them are not bad. It just depends on like where he is and like where the event is and like who jumps in. But um, there would be it would be really cool if you could have an option of the sound with no commentary versus just muting it um, completely. Because I don't like watching jiu-jitsu without any sound is like kind of hard to do. Yeah. Um, but also watching it with terrible commentary makes me typically want to turn it off. Um, you know, sometimes they do it right. Like. Um, when they did the who's number one, I mean, that was, I thought that was great. That was a good yeah. job of it. You know what I mean? And like the bigger shows that have like, uh, you know, they have the guys who are like the good commentators. Um, you know, the guy, the Polaris commentators, I think are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys who do Kasai as well. I think 
the same people or like kind of like a mix of the of some of the other ones but um i like those a lot but typically jiu-jitsu commentary is not very good when it's done as often as like fight to win is mm-hmm. well yeah good commentators like like john evans rafa sparza jake watson uh <laughs> just name a few <laughs> it's funny how you said that there's uh, certain commentators do, are you good to the next commentary in, in accent um what's that say it again sorry you guys broke up but i was asking are you do the next commentary in one of your accents because i think you should hey man maybe you know i i got um I might be doing the commentary for the next Sapatero Invitational after this uh, qualifier. Uh, I know uh, Jits King said that if they ever need one, they're gonna they're gonna call me because I did like I did like four matches and I got offers after those matches. I was like, dang, I got offers. Um, no, I was I was I was playing around. I really want to because I, I I think the same thing and I want Danny and I are gonna do the commentary for Woodstock. I know I I made that announcement earlier. Um, it's just an announcement we're doing every single time until Woodstock happens, but. Dude, I have this great vision for for the Open Guard cast to be more than just a podcast. You know what I mean? Danny has the same vision. Danny is a – like I said, he's smarter than me. I'm just the kid that draws the crayon ideas, and Danny's like, oh, I can work with this. So uh, <laughs> so I think that, dude, like like commentary like that, we need to be good commentators because of event. Like I don't like that people mute Fight to Win. I don't want people to mute it. I want people to learn from – like when you watch a show and you're a blue belt and you're watching your black your favorite competitor that's a black belt go and you're hearing a guy eating a burger on the mic and like you're dude you're taken away you're like dude I want to hear about like what did he what did he just do what if the commentator can provide insight as to what the guy just did what if Gordon Ryan does some crazy Ashi go what's it and then he he wins the fight with that and you're wondering what the heck an Ashi Garami is you know what I mean yeah just saying what if we yeah, paint that picture I, I agree. I agree. And I think sometimes like the bad commentators, the thing that makes them bad is they talk too much. I think they talk about what's happening. Like they try to go into too much detail and I don't think it's, nece- I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I think, um, if you can give people the broad strokes that way, you know, if you go into a lot of detail with a person who doesn't know what's happening, they're still not going to know what's happening. And if you go into a lot of detail with somebody that knows what's happening, they already know what's happening. So yeah. like kind of just paint the broad strokes kind of like, you know, and I think that um, when that's done well, it's really enjoyable. Um, and there's guys who do it. There's guys who do it well. Jake yeah, Watson. Yeah, hey, yeah, Jake Watson. Is I'm great. just saying, I think the gold standard is like, and Danny could probably agree with me. Gold standard is probably John Anik, the dynamic between John Anik and Joe Rogan. Like John is like that early 80s sounding auctioneer sounding voice that paints the picture of what's the hey fight clock was brought to you by this guy and that guy and then joe rogan is like the color commentator that tells you kind of yeah. what's happening paints a story and then you don't have to you can watch the fight you know they don't have and then you yeah. have these voices in the background that are iconic yeah yeah i, I think it's kind of tough too because like you said like you don't want to give too much detail if the if the audience isn't extremely educated about the sport then that's going to bore them too like i, I know my favorite commentator is sean williams and i feel like Sometimes I'll listen to him. Like I'll even watch matches that he commentates sometimes with guys that I don't normally watch just because he's like so good at breaking everything down and you really learn a lot listening to him. But he's usually commentating only at the Worlds, which is pretty much an event where only high-level guys are watching it or, you know, people who have more experience. So it probably – it is a challenge, I think. Yeah, He's really good. He does Kasai, I think, as well, right? Or he has done some of the Kasai events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then the the British guy – from the Polaris, he's like the he's like the John Anik, you know, not the technical guy, but the, you know, the color guy. I think his name is. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I always get him and the guy who do EBI and like CJJ uh, mixed up sometimes because they're kind of both um, bald. And I it's hard <laughs> even how Teague is bald. Yes, Teague does. He does a good job as well. Yeah, he does a really I like his job too. as well. It's nice to have somebody that has a different accent, you know, from a different place. It yep. it sounds way more legit. Roberto, hundred yeah. percent. It sounds way more legit. <laughs> I love Roberto. Yeah. <laughs> He's the thing I about like, Roberto in this matchup. <laughs> I, I honestly like so because maybe because I know jiu-jitsu, I've been doing jiu-jitsu a long time. I like when people tell me things that I don't know and not necessarily technique, but like this guy fought this guy and he did this. And like, you know, he was fighting in last week's Jits King or what, you know what I mean? Like, like that kind of makes paints a better story than just like what's exactly happening in this match, you know, cause we're watching the match. We know what's happening in this match, you know, to, to a certain uh, degree. So I kind of like that when guys do their homework and are not just looking at this, like, Oh, you know, guy in the red shorts and the blue shorts you know give me a little bit of backstory on who they are and it's not always easy to do that because like for fight to win a lot of these guys are local guys right so um you only do that with the guys who are you know have some notoriety i'm telling you you better watch out for bjj woodstock then because danny and i are doing our homework we're back in high school i know the high school for danny was more like chalkboards and stuff but i am on my <laughs> i'm on my smart board i read the syllabus i am dude Danny and I are going to do research on every fighter there, and we're gonna we're gonna bring some fresh, some Febreze fresh commentary. You're good. You got to You got to tell Peachman. I messaged him, and he, he just ghosted me. He didn't he didn't, he didn't respond to me. I tried to get on that BJ Woodstock whatever card. I don't know. There's so many things going on that I don't because know. Because you called it Woodstock whatever. Excuse me, <laughs> Jordan Peachman. <laughs> this is. Hey, I invited Jordan to my to my event like uh, three and a half years ago. He came to it. I invited Jordan to my wedding. I'm not getting married. You got married? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm single. Um, but uh, no, Jordan. I'll we'll we'll, we'll talk. Yeah, to we'll him. message him. Yeah, we're talking to the guy right now who won by uh, I don't know draw to Maka, Masakazu Imanari, the Imanari. Yeah, that was at quintet. Um, it was I didn't get a submission, but it was if you watch the match, it was pretty one side. What happened? Uh, so do you know quintet rules? I do not know quintet rules. Uh, so like there's five on five, right? So five on five, you fight a guy, blah, blah, blah. If you don't submit him, you're both DQ'd in the next guy's fight. So I didn't get, I didn't make a submission on him, but, uh, you know, I had a really good match. Um, I was, had the back a couple times, had mount a couple times, took him down a few times, passed, you know, passed the guard, all that stuff. I just, he's really strong. Uh, so it was really hard to make a submission on him. Um, but, um, he's a great guy. So, and he broke my foot in training once and that was, oh my you know, God. he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's, pretty, he's, pretty, he's an animal. He's an animal. It's cool. Cause a lot of people cite him as like the reason that the leg lock evolution kind of happened. Cause he was someone who did it in MMA and he, like people, a lot of people were watching him hit like leg locks on high level guys <laughs> so that was like what sparked the interest in guys like like dean lister some of the other guys too i don't know exactly who but i know people have mentioned it before yeah i mean i uh, i knew that about him only after the fact i never had seen imanari fight uh until like the imanari role like was starting to get popular and stuff like that um you know and uh, he showed he showed me like his version i think the version that people are doing now is different than what, what he was doing. It's a little bit more evolved than his original one from like 15 years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but his as well. So it's a little bit different than, 
you know, guys like um, Marvin Castell uh, from like 10th Planet uh, out in yeah. Hollywood or whatever. Uh, they're doing it just a little bit different, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, jujitsu centric because he's not, they're not really worried about getting punched in the face and all that. That's a good point. Yeah. I remember that was, that was the first time I ever saw an MNRI role. It was on that video, the flow grappling post that got like 2 million views yeah. in like, in like a week and a half. I was like, holy crap. It's like, it was that, smooth. That's a, it was yeah, smooth, was dude. That was like smooth. legit the smoothest. Im- that was the smoothest. He was like, he spun like a top. It was insane. <laughs> it was like right into the finish too. Like I think yeah. if he would have, and then they would like would have like filled it around a little too much. I think that wouldn't have been nearly as cool. But he like blew the guy's knee out immediately, and like you know it was over. So that was kind of cool. And it was really quick, right? Yeah, I think it was the first transition of the match. Like literally, like the fight started, and that yeah. was, that's what happened. Is that what happened? I, I just I, I've only ever seen the clips. So I didn't know if it was like mid match or whatever. I, I think it was like the very beginning of the match. Yeah, Have you ever sure gotten like what's this, what's the quickest submission you've ever gotten in tournament? Here's a question. Uh, Pulling a question. At, like what type of tournament? I like uh at like a big tournament? Any tournament. Uh, quickest submission you've ever had. Four seconds. Four, four seconds? Nice. Four seconds. It was a guy pulled guard and I just ankle locked him. It was it was pretty Really? Fast. I feel like a footlock is the quickest submission you can get, right? That or like a loop choke maybe. The guy like or a guillotine maybe even. Yeah, guillotine probably. Guillotine, dude, you have to wrench that. You have to, you'd have to wrench that guillotine. Flying yeah. armbar too comes That's on true. fast. I remember uh, there was a clip posted a long time ago when I was a purple belt. It was like 2016, and I got a submission in, um, I got a submission in like like seven seconds on fight to win. And it was the fastest for a while, but I like, tr- okay. So the fight starts out, I shake hands, I run forward and I trip like an idiot, get back up. I literally tripped. Like I, I go to pull and I like stumble and fall, get back up and I ankle lock him. So I think I could have got like the quickest submission in jujitsu history. Uh, minus those guys who do the, the, the trick and then the guy dies. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I think I think I would have got the fastest one. I uh, that's probably the fastest I've gotten. What about you, Danny? Um, I'm not nearly as fast as you guys. <laughs> Maybe Three like minutes, thirty seconds or something. <laughs> thirty seconds? Hey, man, something if like that. If it's before a minute, yeah. if it's before a minute. No, actually, like, I take that back. I I got a guillotine really fast once when someone shot a double A on me when I was like a blue belt. So it was a yeah. while ago. A submission's but. a submission. Just <laughs> however you tap. A tap is universal. It doesn't matter what belt you are. You tap, you lose. <laughs> That's how I look at there it. There was a submission. There was an IBJF match where a guy like, you know, that Jacare wrist lock where like you just dropped your knees. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I saw a guy do that. And that was that had to have been under five seconds because the match literally like, you know, ref does this. One guy gra- grabs the other one, like drops and it was over. Uh, the guy didn't fall to his knees before the guy tapped. So, you know, that was yeah. fast. Dude, um, I got my hand broken with that submission. In tournament. Oh, really? Yeah, it really? broke my left hand. It was horrible, dude. dude I, and the guy's knee popped that same match. I was like, karma, bitch. I was like, that's what happens when you wrist lock Oh, me. you didn't tap to it? No, I fell to the ground. And I oh. pulled guard. My hand was all useless the rest of the match. I was like, all right. Like, that sucked. Yeah, yeah I won. Choking from the back with my other hand. It's my left hand. I'm not left-handed, yeah. dude. My right hand is a choking hand. You know how it is. Everybody's got a choking hand. That's true. <laughs> every, every, that's david garmo do not that's what? what she said me on my own show I, my <laughs> uh, I said i was gonna yeah. get you on we met each other at jits king this is not what i anticipated 
it should have been. <laughs> yeah. and, and he had the, I think you had just the mustache at Jits King. I don't think you had the scruff. I was hoping for just the mustache, so I'm actually yeah. genuinely disappointed. Well, I just, yeah, I didn't shave. I'm sorry. I should have, yeah, I should have, I should have, you know, clippered it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I would appreciate. I would appreciate it. Danny shaves before every single episode. Yeah, you see, by 5 p.m. tonight, he will have a full beard. I just can't grow facial hair like at all. That's why I look really young too. So I, I have to shave or else it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> I hate you. I now hate you, David. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, listening, you cannot see it, but he just changed his background before the episode started. We had an arg. We didn't have an argument. I got upset. Let's be honest. I got very upset over Skype because I can't change the background on my Skype. All I can do is blur the background. Danny over here is like, oh, let me see if I can do it. And then does it like as if he didn't know he could. He liked me too. Him and David Garmo conspiring because they're from the Midwest or wherever they're from. Well, hey, listen, man. We got to stick together because apparently everybody from – nobody from the West Coast or the East Coast gives any respect to the Midwest almost nope. at all. You know? I have no it's, pride for where I'm from or where I live. Well, or not. Arizona's cool. I like <laughs> the economy. I won't move. But I won't move because all my friends live here. It's not because I care about, like, California sucks or the Midwest is full of, you know, drug problems, which I think it is from what I'm hearing. Like, I, I literally everybody uh-huh. talks about Iowa having a meth issue. I'm like, cool, dude. That's awesome. Iowa doesn't, see, Iowa doesn't count as the Midwest to me at all. It's, like, it does, not even close. I don't even know. I don't even know. Not enough crime. I, <laughs> Midwest also has a reputation of really hard workers. Do you hear that a lot? People who work really hard, like a lot of blue collar people. A lot of hillbillies. Yeah. A lot of hillbillies. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's where it ends. That's the whole thought. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's like, nope, just hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> just. Yep. Just a bunch yeah. of hillbillies. Bunch of hicks. Um, it's, a, it's a very weird thing because, like, where where I'm from, there, like, it's, you know, the area that I'm living in is like super progressive very liberal and then like five seconds away is like super conservative hill jacks and they're all great i love everybody you know what i mean but it's like it is a there's a strong divide but they're like also living like amongst each other it's very interesting it's exactly i think that's how a lot of the big cities in the midwest are because that's exactly how chicago is like chicago as a city is very liberal and you know and then the surrounding areas are just super conservative and like the exact opposite Yeah. yeah exactly See, I'm from. I was born in Bellflower, California, and uh, you've been to Worlds, so you know how that area around the pyramid is. Uh-huh. Uh, I was. It's like n- the nearest point in Bellflower to like Compton is where I was born, and okay. then I moved to Colorado after that. But like, you I don't have. Compton. Yeah, pretty much. I was born there. <laughs> pretty cool, okay. huh? You wouldn't <laughs> yeah. think being I'm a like being a responsible man or whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, my we were we were not in a good situation for sure. But I don't have any pro- like I remember I met somebody who's from that area too, and they're like, "Oh yeah, what's up, Compton?" I'm like, "No, I don't have any pride for that area. That place sucks." And he was like, "Oh man, I lived there for a long time." I'm like, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry." <laughs> I apologize for that horrible time living there. But yeah, I have no pride for. And then my sound like, oh, but Jake, Jake competes in Arizona. Jake's like one of the only competitors from Arizona. I love Arizona. I love the people here. But it's because I love the people, not because I care about the state. Everybody hates Doug Ducey. Everybody hates that guy right now. He's, He's our, our governor. governor. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I won't call him governor ever. Oh, even if there's governor. a fire. Okay. I'm calling yeah. him Doug. Yeah, I think I, I think nobody likes their governors right now. I mean, nobody. Yeah. So there's no one. No one's going out on Facebook and saying, I love my governor. Like, can't wait to. Yeah. South Dakota. Give him a high five. Like, 
what, what's, what's South Dakota like? They said, you're adults, do whatever you think is right to keep yourself safe. And they had like, you know, eventually everybody just started wearing masks. They was like, see, <laughs> it's like, if you want to stay home, stay home. If you don't, don't. It's like, yeah. obviously, if you There's go somewhere where a lot of people, people you're going to get sick. So don't do that. But I'm not going to make yeah. you. I was like, wow, okay. South Dakota's like an actual dad. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Like, why are movie theaters closed? Can somebody explain this to me? Because uh, it was, I think, um, what what movie was coming out? Let's look. Was there a movie coming out? Movies that were supposed to come out. <laughs> maybe, they didn't, maybe they didn't want the movie to come out. If I feel like a movie theater, you could just like really make a clear delineation of like where like six feet apart is yeah you can assign seats you can you know not let as many people in each theater it's like you literally sell tickets it's not like walmart you know or home depot where you just walk in and mill about and do all that jazz it's like i want to go see a movie i want popcorn so bad like real popcorn not like you know amc or acme popcorn whatever uh orville redenbachers i want like some real popcorn that is with all of like the liquid just fake butter, just drizzled <laughs> salt on it, and I use a straw to get it in the middle of the popcorn bag. That's what I want right now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. That is a hack. That is. Holy crap, David Garmo. I am here for information. I am a scientist. <laughs> Hold on. I am a scientist. <laughs> and I hate you. <laughs> Back to it. Well, I'm clipping this and putting it on our Instagram 100% because that is hilarious. That is a true hack. Let me explain. You, you get the, you get a straw and you put it in. The, so, like, do you guys have, like, the self-serve butter stations or do you guys have – they do it themselves? Yeah, we have self-serve. Self-serve. Self-serve, okay. So, like, you put the straw, you connect it into that little tube thing, and then you just shove it, you just shove it in, and then you – then you move it around. Move it around. Make sure you get salt on there, okay? Listen, your blood pressure is just fine. You're a healthy boy. And they <laughs> sprinkle that salt on there. Listen, extra large frozen Coke, this big, okay? 120 ounces. Also use it as a uh, portable urinal for when you're in the movie theater. Hack. Six feet apart. What was that noise? That, was, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I feel like you're just in the theater just, like, watching every movie from 8 a.m. until, like, 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I've done, I've done, like, I've done double show. I go, I go to the movies by myself. I don't, want, I don't want people to bother me. I go there, like, at, like, 10.30 a.m. So there's, like, one other old guy in the movie theater. And it's just me and him. And we know not to even look at each other. Like, he knows he's doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. Nobody. We're obviously here. We want to talk to nobody. You know? And so. And he, you and. You and cousin Steve down there. Yeah, exactly. like, oh, that's David. He comes in every every the second Saturday of every month. And he spends a hundred dollars at the movie theater buying every ticket and one bag of popcorn that he refills every like five times a day. It's crazy. Ah, uh, it's fantastic. It's totally worth it. <laughs> totally I um, you know what's funny is like I'm I'm gonna clip that first of all and second of all. That is like I'm I cannot not do that now. Like I have a bunch of those weird stupid food hacks that I do. Uh, like I go to whenever you ever to Canes, you have Canes and where you're from, Canes no, Chicken. No, no. Yeah. Wow. No, they're not <clears throat> in the Midwest. Okay, so Canes is a chicken place down here. It's like whatever. You get chicken tenders and sauce, and you get like toast. And I put I split the toast in half, and I put chicken on one side, fries on the other, and sauce in the middle. I make a sandwich with the toast they give you. So oh my god, so that you don't have to. 
so that you don't have to um, get your own – you don't have to spend more money on a chicken sandwich. You can just make your own sandwiches. My friends think I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> they might be right. But uh, I think a, that they were, they were delaying the, the new Fast and Furious movie. On purpose, like that's what that was the whole reason the movie theaters are still closed. <laughs> they probably should just stop making those movies. I don't know. Vin Diesel has to make money somehow. He's just he's Groot. He's already Groot. He's probably making <laughs> royalties off of being the toy. That's hundred percent true. I think he's like almost a billionaire. That guy because he owns. Why do you need more money? We're jujitsu athletes. We collectively make less than he does in a month. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He makes every <laughs> He makes more in a month than we do collectively in a year. But we're happier. You know why? why? We all have hair. That's why. <laughs> you know his name is not really Vin Diesel. Oh, is that his porn name? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's basically name. Yeah, I, I I I don't remember what his real name was. So if you're if you have like dual monitors, you should look that up because I think it was ridiculous. His real Jake, name look is it like, up. Yeah. Vin Diesel, real name. The reveal says Mark Sinclair. <laughs> that that is the opposite of cool. And Vin that Diesel's is the, like the lamest name. name. Is he a real estate agent? Mark Sinclair. He's yeah. 52? Ugh, get him off my screen. That was gross, <laughs> dude. Why'd you do that to me? I, well, you know, I, had to, I have to kind of like ruin your expectations of the map. Just a little bit further than you already hated him, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't hate him. I just, I just think that you know his voice is a little too deep. He's been in a little bit too many of the same movie over and over and over with a different sort of plot. Those first, like the first three movies, were incredible. Oh, you yeah. know what's funny? First one, so good. Yeah. You know what's funny is we invited David Garmo on our jujitsu podcast, and we've been talking about movies and popcorn. <laughs> and like, dude, you blew my mind. I'm like, I'm like straight up gonna be messed up the whole rest of the day. I gotta get, I gotta teach in an hour and thirty minutes, and you're over here dropping knowledge that's gonna ruin the foundations of my of my movie theater existence. That, uh, movie th- actually, I used to go to the movie theater before every tournament. Really? Before like every the night before or the, the day of? The night before. No, the night okay. before. And that, that would be like my way of like not being there. Cause like, I've done like 160, 170 tournaments now just in jiu-jitsu. And I think I, like, almost all of them up to like Black Belt, I would go to the movie theater. And I would just That's like awesome. – I would go watch something. Like typically like a comedy or something like that. Maybe even an action movie. Nothing like too intense. I don't want to be like fucked up afterward. Um, and uh, oh, sad. Yeah. And I'd be dieting. Like I said, it's like popcorn is a good diet food. It's so light. And it's like physically light. And there's like not that much, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Just, a whole bag is like maybe five ounces. Yeah. But probably not the best diet advice. Kids at home don't do that. Um, I've <laughs> never missed weight, but you probably will if you eat enough popcorn. Yeah, with all the butter too that you're putting inside sure. of it, and all the salt. I think it would be dry. I think it would be dry at that point. But um, okay, kettle corn. You know, <sighs> yeah. Oh dang! I just said a sorry, sorry. <laughs> God, you didn't, man. That that face after that, Danny. Uh, do you have any pre-tournament rituals? I actually kind of like that topic. I do. I used to actually always watch a movie. I didn't go to the movie theater, but just something to kind of like take my mind off of jujitsu and. Wedding um, yeah, Wedding Crashers. That was a good one. Uh, <laughs> Wedding Crashers was a good movie. Wow. Wow. But yeah, another, I actually try purposely not to have like a routine. No, man. I was in that movie. 
Wow. <laughs> now, uh, my 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 tradition is to put on Avatar: The Last Airbender. I've seen it so many times, but I just put it on and I'll watch it. But I'm really doing other stuff while it's on in the background because I love the show that much. And I will uh, I'll journal every night, and then uh, I just kind of like I don't know. I kind of just f around on my phone for a while, messaging people, trying to try to make it feel like I'm at home. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm in a hotel and another in another state. Um, the trip to Florida was super weird. So like when I was before Jits King, I lost my wallet. Like I didn't have my wallet the whole time. I think I told you that. That sucked ass. Yeah, yeah. Um, and JB <laughs> was. How did I get back? I had to go to TSA and confirm that I was who I was. They were like, "Okay, are you Jake Watson?" I was like, "Yes." It's like, "Don't you know me?" Open guard. Did you ever get your you. wallet back? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was actually at Southwest. It was. I went. I went to the Southwest check-in, and they were like. No, we didn't have any wallet. And I was like, could you please just maybe check for my peace of mind? And then they checked. They're like, it's not supposed to be here, but we have it. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and they go, it's my wallet. What are we going to do with it? They're like, you're open guard oh, cast, man. right? I'm like, yes. Okay, <laughs> like, we're going to auction it off. Vindication. Vindication. Yeah, no, I was upset. Um, That whole weekend, I was like super pissed. And then when I got there, I was... I was like, my mind was like, hey, you're about to do jujitsu. And I was like, oh my God, go make friends. So I went and made friends. With David Garmo and JB, which I don't know his last name, but Belcher. and also the the guys at uh Daisy Fresh, yeah, Daisy or JD uh, B, whatever, dude. He's nice. I like him a lot. He'll, he'll be on the show one day too. Um, yeah. yeah, I've made friends with all you guys. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what's funny is Josh Starlord like totally. I was gonna go eat with you guys, but Josh totally like just said, "All right, cool, come with me. We're gonna go eat." And I was like, "Oh." And because he wanted to talk to me about like commentary stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll go there. But I wanted to go out to eat with you and uh, JB. Just know that. I just got strong armed by Chris Pratt's dumber, uglier cousin. <laughs> I am actually super upset that you didn't come with us. We had a great time. It was uh, me, uh, Alejandro, and uh, Benji. And we had a fantastic time. Oh, and you dude. missed it. And uh, you could have been that fifth guy. But you know what? Fifth. You, just, you just named three guys. <laughs> no. I mean fifth. Me. Oh. Yeah. Me, oh, JB, Alejandro, JB, Alejandro, oh. and Benji. I like Benji a lot. <laughs> Wanna hear a funny story? A funny story about Benji. Actually, me and him, um, the way we met was we got in a fight. <laughs> so I, I met Benji at Pan Am's twenty sixteen and uh he like he slammed me uh in the middle of the in the middle of the match and got DQ'd and was really angry. And I was like, dude, why is this guy so angry? Um and and then uh, he got off the mat and was like, like, just got done cussing me out in the middle of the match. And then uh, w- uh, like, I saw him the next day. He's like, hey, man, I'm sorry about yesterday. And I was like, you're fine. I just don't know what happened. Like, what did I do? <laughs> he's like, I just got upset. And then we've been friends ever since. <laughs> he's a, He seems like a very aggressive type. Uh, dude. He's good. He he's good, dude. But like, I, you know, like he's that guy that would definitely like headbutt you and like stick his knuckles in your eye as he's passing the guard. Like he's that guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. He's cool to hang out with, but if you grapple with him, like you better expect a really hard round for sure. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. when when I fought him, he was really good at fifty fifty. I defended fifty fifty for most of the match, and then um and then he uh there was a point where the reason why he got upset there was a point where I swept him and I didn't get two points. They gave it to Benji, um because they just made a mistake. It's an honest mistake. My coach was like, "Hey, whoa, it's supposed to be two points for Jake." And then uh Benji said, and I'm sure he's fine with me telling the story because it was such a long time ago. But uh he was like. Hey, like, you don't got to be a pussy. Like, you don't need the ref to help you out. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? 
And uh, I'm like it's 17 the match properly. <laughs> I'm 17 at this point, so like I'm just you know I'm 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 too goofy to really get mad at anybody. I've ne- I've never been mad after a tournament except for when i got choked by john i was kind of mad because i had such a bad weekend i was gonna and, say because you were definitely upset that <laughs> i was upset because i i, w- I had such a bad weekend and then i got choked i was like dude that's the worst weekend of my life like it sucks which it could be could be much worse but um anyway benji uh i walk my guard on him and i'm like gonna win the fight there's like a minute left i'm up by two and two advantages to his nothing and uh he's like he looks at me and he says i'm, I'm pardon my french what motherfucker what and i'm like what and then he picks me up and he, <laughs> he slams me and the ref dqs him and um he's just super mad and i went up to kyo and i was like oh, i'm sorry mr tara i don't understand what i did he's like oh, it's fine it's, it's, don't worry about it and then uh i ended up getting second that day i lost to Lara lara in the final but uh me and benji have been friends ever since i, I like him i think he's a really cool guy i think that uh like i could be mad at him for like ever right but like if somebody, you know, what if I did it? I would want him to be my friend eventually. I'd be like, dang it! Like I wish that guy would forgive me. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Jo- John comes submitting me. I was super, super pissed. I was, dude. I didn't. I like really, honestly contemplated like just going upstairs and like screaming into the nearest soft cushiony thing I could find because I was that upset. It was a bad, dude. It was a rough time. Florida was rough. Did I tell you that we went out and I don't know if I told you this, David, but we went out and like I went out to dinner. And me and John are sitting down, like, right next to each other. I'm talking about the fight, and he's like, hey, yeah, 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 you could do this, and, like, you should do this. I'm like, oh, cool. I love hearing from my opponent that just choked me what to do. But uh, <laughs> but uh, all of a sudden, a gigantic family of 13 people starts throwing hands in this Peruvian restaurant. I and I'm like, dude. I'm like, what the heck is going on? John gets up. He's like, world star. Goes up and is <laughs> – He's like, recording. Yeah. filming them I'm like dude John, sit down you gigantic child he's old too you guys are all old and childish john i so i've never actually spoken with john before i've seen him you know a ton of tournaments and stuff like that and watch him compete and i'm a fan of his but like he is an he's a different individual he is not <laughs> what his jiu-jitsu is <laughs> yeah, they're no. not the same they are not the same uh and it's not in a bad way it's just very it was like jarring i'm like this guy's a goof like he's, he's a goofball dude in the middle of our yeah. match he said he said uh he said seem like making fun of like uh the portuguese word for yes he's like seem oh. and i'm like i look at him like yep <laughs> like, i don't know what to say <laughs> just like look to me said that uh, and then uh, after our match and like i was upset if i wasn't upset it's would have been funny but he's like he's like oh man oh man i feel like i'm gonna throw up I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I was like, that's not funny. Cause what if you did? I wish you did. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I wish you did throw up, <laughs> man. But yeah, he, yeah. he, he was the first like guest on our podcast too. Yes, he was. He was oh, the first guest on the open guard cast. This is, this is before the match, right? Yeah. Oh, right. way before. Yeah. No, we've been doing yeah, this podcast before, yeah. since January. That's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. He's it. I really wanted him to win against, uh, Beating Monstro. That was I was out. He hit him with those double legs, and they go out of bounds. I man, there's got to be something that the rules can do about taking a guy out of bounds with 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 some type of double leg. It's too easy to go out of bounds, and like nothing come from it. Like that is a that is a negative energy expenditure. Taking a double double legging a guy, and then like almost taking him down, and then you just go out of bounds or into it table or something yeah some i was thinking like about that. felipe pena and galvao at acc oh god why it was hard the, to watch why at the biggest like the most 
prestigious tournament in the world is there a table next to the map why? <laughs> yeah why do they do that like and why are you allowed to like go into the crowd and fight <laughs> listen what they what they need to do okay make the mat area 25 feet by 25 feet like the the area where you compete and then give another 10 or 12 feet around it that is the out of bounds so when people go out of bounds they land on mats and not concrete or into a table or continue to work until they're off the mat. they're just promoters are just being cheap at the end of the day they're just being cheap and they, they don't want to spend the extra mats um and then not use them you don't yeah. want to have to use that outer border like th- that border can't be one set of tatamis wide like it can't be that it's ridiculous it's so stupid um you know, but I mean, I understand why they do it the way they do it because it makes more financial sense and not necessarily spending the money, but also allowing more people to be in the venue. But like, what the fuck? Like, Philippe Penner, like broke his ribs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know? true. And you know, honestly, also, ADCC didn't even move the mats. They just made it one mat. Like, they could have just made the mat bigger. They could have taken the surrounding area, separated it, and used the mats, the extra mats from those ones that are no longer being used use them to make a bigger mat. And that would take like, what, 20 minutes, maybe? They do an intermission before the finals, whatever. They're doing one fight at a time anyway. Yeah, I think they did that. They, they did take an intermission. I'm sure they were, I sure it didn't go right. Like, you know, I'm sure they took some time in between anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I believe in the bigger mat too. Look at the mat between Hodger and Bouchesha. That was a gigantic mat. Right, right. Bouchesha still took them out of bounds. <laughs> of course, because that's, that's what they're going to do. But make the out of bounds well inside where the mat area is that's that's the thing like um i don't know like in football like there's nothing you're gonna hit in football you know what i mean and yes the 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 the, uh the field is way bigger but like they're using that entire field but the where the turf is on you know in the end zone there's like another 25 there's like another 10 15 yards outside of the end zone like very rarely are you gonna see a guy run full clip into that thing because he just couldn't stop that stuff you know, you can do that with jiu-jitsu. Now, you can't do that with, like, it would be much harder to do that with, uh, like, an open tournament, like the IBGF. So, yeah. like, I'm not saying for that. But for these individual shows, just make the mat area inside the mat and then mm-hmm. give, like, another 10 feet, 10, 12 feet. It's not that, it's not that much. Um, the next ADCC is at a huge venue, too, so that shouldn't be. It's at the Thomas and Mack Center in Vegas, Yeah, which is UNLV's, like, athletic center. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. All the venues that all these these shows are at have that capability. It's not that much space. It's not like you need this coliseum. You just need to be like, oh, you know what? I want to put the athletes first in this situation. Like, I've been in some situations where, like, I was in a um, in a great event in Canada called uh, Quintet Parabellum. Uh, a guy, Rory McDonald, runs it. It was a really fun event. Uh, my team, uh, Detroit Jiu-Jitsu, which is my team, which is the team I was fighting on, uh, fought TriStar in the first round. This mat area, like the only thing that was not good about the event was the mat area was super small and it was like five feet up. Oh, wow. So it's like a it's stage. Like, it was a stage, like fight to win, but it was way smaller. And I had to go against a gorilla and he threw me off. He threw me off the stage. Oh, my it's God. Like, so you know, dangerous. Like, yeah, it's like, and even if, you know, like, on purpose or not on purpose, it doesn't even matter. It's worse when it's on accident because you could avoid that if it was an accident, right? Mm-hmm. The guy wants to take you off stage, he's going to stage. But if he didn't 
still did, that's can be that can be avoided. You know, like people, you should only get hurt when you're getting submitted or like freak freak accidents in the match, not because like the terrain. You know, we don't deal in terrain. You know, when we're training. You know, we can't really. Not much we can do. And you or I are not going to. You know, we're not going to say, "Oh, I'm not competing in this event because of it." So we're yeah. just going to suck it up and we're going to do it uh, because we don't have the power and we want to compete. But like the promoter should should understand that and really try to like work that out. Let me ask you, what do you think about the Jits King rule set? Um, yeah, I think they should have picked um, ADCC rules or IBGF rules. Um, it didn't affect my match at all. Uh, so like I have nothing negative to say about it, but like this, I have so many rules in my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, just, you should pick one. I just had to, it wouldn't, you know, like it don't even have to pick one, but like, if you're going to do half ADCC rules, half IBG, why not just pick one or the other mm-hmm. um, in that case, you know? Yeah. Um, and then at first there were supposed to be advantages, but then there wasn't advantages. So that was kind of like, <laughs> you know, I understand they're doing, they did, uh, I thought they did a good job of like, you know, they were really good to the, uh, to the competitors, in my opinion, like they, they took care of us in the sense that like, you know, they were, they were there when we needed them to, you know, ask questions and like yep. make things more convenient. So like in that, re- in that respect, awesome love those guys um i just thought like you know you changing the rules at the rules meeting an hour before the start time and even if the rule is like this different like such as not having advantages that becomes a pretty big difference absolutely yeah for sure yeah and and you know man it was funny it might have been you that said it but uh you were like wait so there's advantages or no advantages and then there was a big there was a big deliberation between uh you know where they were they were like explaining something and it didn't make sense and nobody understood and then they're like all right cool pretty self-explanatory right <laughs> and i started yeah, yeah, yeah. dying because i'm like dude we just had a long argument there's no way that's self-explanatory you took you explaining it but yeah well, i agree they had like the head referee there was like um he was just basically saying like just you know fight your heart out and that's not a, like you can't that can't be part of the rules meeting you know like don't worry about fight your heart out that can't be part of the rules meeting Exactly. You know, like the a rules meeting, you, you know, you can't use that as a, as a, as an answer to a question. That's like, so hey, funny. So I, is there advantages? When you said that, it just reminded me of what the UFC fighters always used to say. Like they said, Dana White would call him in a room and just be like, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. It's like, well, I mean, we're not going to try to, but like, <laughs> we're not fighting scrubs. So it might happen. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That literally happened to me and um, not because of the rules, but because of that, that elevated map. I, I, when I walked in and I saw that thing, I'm like, I, I told the refs, I'm like, hey guys, like somebody's gonna get thrown off this thing. I had like this foreboding that it was gonna happen to me, you know, for whatever reason. And it's, maybe because of my style, because I like to do takedowns, and there's just not enough room to do takedowns on, on, on a mat that is that small and that high, right? So, like, I'm like, somebody's gonna get thrown off this thing. And they're like, no, 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 the refs are gonna keep you safe. Like, <laughs> you know, they're not gonna let that happen. The other competitor's not gonna, they're not gonna take you off. They're, they're gonna respect you. And I'm like, Fucking two out, two and a half hours later, two hundred sixty-five pound Iranian, you know, judo Olympian sends me off the thing. You know, oh, I love that I didn't no. get hurt, but it's like, you know, it's like we're competing. We're not thinking about that stuff. You know, if I double a guy from one end of the mat to the other, uh, am I gonna stop and possibly get submitted during this? You know, during that exchange, or am I gonna take him off? I'm probably gonna take him off. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to lose the match, but also. You know, it's just weird. You know, you just gotta, you, you got things have to be like 
pretty concrete. The rules have to be as objective as they possibly can be. And there can't be any like, you can expect this to happen because your opponents will respect you or you're going to fight your heart out. Like, that's not the way this works. You know, this is not, you know, in basketball, they're not telling you like, it's almost in, so we're going to give the two points. Like, it's in or it's out. You know, what's the rule? You know? That's true, Uh, yeah. I know nothing about basketball. I don't know why I said that, but. Uh, That's definitely not a rule. (laughs) (laughs) like hey listen man it was like one of those shots where it dances around the rim and goes out that's actually 0.5 that's an advantage that's an advantage that's an advantage i'm five foot six i don't play basketball obviously listen dude i'm thinking about getting one of those cards i'm six foot three people ask me if i play basketball it's actually stupid like how many people ask me if i play basketball like dude do i look look at my fingers i can't dribble a basketball i have like osteoarthritis (laughs) You, you probably played play basketball, like right, like Podunk, Indiana, somewhere, like Larry Bird. Uh, you're gonna have to repeat yourself, my good friend. You cut out for a second. Oh, I said if you were like from Indiana, like 100, you'd be playing basketball. 100. <laughs> yeah, but I again, I'm not I'm the Midwest. I, I uh, as we described earlier, I'm Arizona, and I could give I could give a hoot about any other state. <laughs> Man, you know, I'm sorry about the. It's uh, it's 2:25 here. Another funny story was we we tried to get. We were like, David, we're gonna have you on. Uh, it's gonna be 1 p.m. here. He was like, all right, cool. And they sh- he sent me a photo. He's like, hey, it's 1:51 in Arizona right now. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and apparently, apparently, Arizona right now, we are just living in the past. Uh, we couldn't. Danny and I couldn't even figure out if it's mountain. If it's daylight savings time, if it's mountain standard time. No, it, it is mountain standard time, but there's no daylight savings time. So there's multiple time zones in the state. Um, other parts of the state don't do Mountain Standard Time. They do do Daylight Savings Time. So, yeah, so we're not was, in the Navajo County? It was my fault. I accept full responsibility. It's just like – it's so weird. Why do we even do Daylight Savings Time? Like why? I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. You don't well, want to save daylight? In the Midwest, no, it was – I don't care. It, I'm inside all the way. Always anyway. It doesn't matter. I can tell. You're inside your cityscape right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Yeah, we should do away with it. I think it was initially set up because, like, in the Midwest, like, farmers needed more daylight, so they wanted to, like, adjust the days to be able to have more sunlight, but, yeah, it doesn't really make sense now. Yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, I was like, I'm like, man, these guys are really unprofessional. <laughs> 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 like, you know, one o'clock, and I'm like, man. Dude. It was like, yeah, I'm going to call you. Like, it was already, like, 15 minutes after one o'clock. What I assumed was one o'clock. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna call you uh, when, we, when, when we call you. I'm gonna let you know when we're gonna call you. I'm like, okay. And I'm just like, 30, 40 minutes go by. I'm like, son of a bitch. I, I am <laughs> sorry. I apologize. No, it's all good. I mean, like, you know, it's not. It wasn't a big deal. I didn't just. I didn't like cancel all of my plans. To the <laughs> so, hey, man, you know, if you're canceling all your plans to be on the Open Guard Cast, just know that this was the grand plan. This was worth it. Man. You're going to make us famous. <laughs> no, dude, you know, and like Danny and I are trying to be like, you know, we're trying to introduce a new era of professionalism and, and it's a slow process. But uh, I don't know if you noticed Danny's you the logo behind Danny. What's that? And you had me on. So I'd probably knock that back at least. Yeah, dude, we can, anytime we can get Groucho marks without the glasses on our <laughs> podcast, it's like we love it. Awesome. Um, but uh, we're trying to be more professional. See, I can't be insulting our guests, right? Like. That's, yeah. I'm talking, talking about, about being professional, and I'm yeah. talking about professionalism. Part of Groucho Marx. You know who that is, right, David? I actually have no idea. I you know that no mask with the nose, the mask with the nose, and the glasses, and the mustache underneath that people wear as a joke. Oh, 
okay. Is that was that the real person? I think. I don't know, dude. Looks like it must be. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm holding on Mike now. Marks. Yeah, yeah, Marks. Let's see. Groucho Marx. I'm not going to share my screen. Or maybe I can, actually. Let's see. Maybe I can yeah, share my screen. I, I love it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. And this is Groucho Marx. This is you. Ready? This is a. Uh, let's share the screen real quick and, and show you. Oh, shoot. Wait. I didn't get a good image. Uh, this is this is you, Mr. Garmo. Can you can you see what I'm what I'm putting down? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is David Carmo. Hey. Oh my god. That guy is well, he's famous, right? It's like Charlie yeah. Chaplin, but different. I might have yeah. him somewhere. Let's see what I got. No. This is the this is the mask. mask. Yes. The, yes. Oh, dude. Those are, those are those are good. I, Your eyebrows I, aren't quite that bushy. They they were. I was I don't know if you know, but I was grooming them prior to our call. I was like, All right, I just gotta make sure these are. Listen, I got that. I got I don't that. want anyone call me Groucho Marx. Yeah, we called them Midwax. Mid. Yeah. is everything uh, opened up over there in uh, Arizona? Sort of. We're um, it's like, you know, our governor kind of arbitrarily picked businesses to close down. Like he said, OK, movie theaters are closed. And it's like, dude, movie theaters are already closed. It's like you're not even really thinking like you're just kind of. <laughs> so we were one of the first states to like open back up after everything got shut down. And then on July, what was it? The Was it or maybe it was the end of June? It might have been in June. still. Like um, he closed everything for 30 days again. Oh, just everything. Yeah, yeah, just everything. I'm, yeah, but jujitsu schools are technically academies and not gyms. He closed down gyms. Technically, martial arts schools do not fall under the same business article as a uh, as a gym that you would uh, go and pump iron in. So that's the loophole. We tried to do that, but uh, martial arts in the governor's order here in Michigan, uh, martial arts were under sports facilities, mm. and so that is. We are that and um, and uh, swim academies are like you know swimming yeah. and uh, uh, movie theaters are the only things that are closed. Yeah, the, the governor did not say anything about sports facilities. He only said gyms. So gyms, yeah. Loser. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. It sucks. I can't wait for Jiu-Jitsu to be back on, dude. When I know. Well, not the, the biggest. Anymore. The biggest disappointment as far as like uh, jitsu outside of my business being closed, which is a huge bummer, is the IBJF is canceled for the entire year. Yeah. Like, you know, I love competing in the, in the, in the shows and stuff like that. But, you know, it's not, you know, I, I like I want to be able to I, I was supposed to go to Paris in May for the uh, IBJF uh, Paris Open, you know, and like I plan on doing other events in Europe and stuff like that. And like. It just sucks. Like you can't do it. You can't do any of those things anymore. Like, and there's no like. You're not gonna just go to like the uh, Lyon Open, run by you know who the fuck knows you know in some you know backwoods part of France. You know you're not gonna do that. Like, you probably didn't, wouldn't even know it existed. But um, yeah, it's like traveling for jiu-jitsu now outside of being in the continental United States is like off the table. Um, but I also think that countries won't let us in anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably not. But yeah, I probably. think the thing about the IBJJF too is that people, even like the local ones, like the Chicago Open or whatever, the Paris one, like people travel into those tournaments from 
other states if it's domestic yeah. or even other countries. So like yeah. it's really hard to control that type of environment. Like I know the uh, Abu Dhabi Pro Tournament Series is doing one in Miami and they're like limiting it to purple belts and up. But still, I mean, you're going to have people flying in from all over the country where there's different mm-hmm. infection rates and all that stuff. So it's it's really tough. We should just let it all burn. Who cares? <laughs> just let everyone yeah. get it. <laughs> if, if you have the it. antibody, if you have the antibody, like what if you can like provide a, a copy of your test, like that you have the antibody and then you could sign up for the tournament. I don't know. <laughs> well, supposedly uh, then, the antibodies then don't last. Somebody's going to make a lot of money See? with fake tests and that is America right there. Yeah, dude. Capitalism <laughs> at its finest. 100%. 100%. I think this whole thing is lame oh. and it sucks and I can't wait for it to be over. Apparently New Zealand is like all better now. Yeah. I you like, see that? Like that, that New Zealand is like all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we've, we've dealt with the coronavirus so great. Now, apparently you can't get it. Like, like you can be in regular crowds now. <laughs> That's fair. But they, they must like have shut their borders down hard. Right. I mean, I assume... shut everything down for like ever. It's like, I don't know what the New Zealish do in their spare time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they make fantastic movies, such as like Once for Warriors. Warriors. Have you seen that? Ones for Warriors? No. Yeah, uh, it's the New Zealand cult film. I was named after about a guy who beats his wife. Anyway, um, I was named <laughs> after that. No, seriously, it's crazy. Um, I have nothing else to say after that. I'm sorry. That was like a super dark. <laughs> Danny, do you have anything else to add? <laughs> no. Nothing after that. Let's end Great. it there. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fantastic I actually, movie, I actually did actually. have one one more jujitsu question for you, because um, you brought up Modern Flow a couple times earlier in the interview. So is that was that something that you started? Like, at what point in your jujitsu career did you start that, and is it still a business that's operating? Yeah. So um, I started Modern Flow in June of 2012 with my best friend Safe. Um, he was in med school. I had just quit my job. And was collecting unemployment and realized that, hey, I probably have to get another job again or I start my own business. And so we came up with a, like a, you know, a broad strokes business plan. Um, and then that's how we started it. it. Modern Flow was not supposed to be what it ended up being. Um, but, you know, it did what it needed to do to allow me to live uh, without having a real job. And so, and yes, it is still operating. Um, it's kind of like more, uh, we just maintain what we do. So like, I just, you know, people want an orange Dragon Ball Z gi, got you. You want a Naruto <laughs> thing gi, got you. Uh, we don't do any new designs. Uh, maybe we will in the future, but like, uh, it's kind of just there in the background. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to turn it off because people still buy that stuff and, you know, somebody has to make it. And so it'll be me. Uh, for now, but you know, eventually I'll probably wind it down or sell it or something like that. If anybody wants to buy it, let me know. Cash only. What if I want um, a, a no-gi uniform uh, that looks like something from Avatar the Last Airbender? What if I want that? Uh, then we can talk. I can, I can, I can figure out. I, I'd have to hire somebody, but like it costs you a lot of money. And uh, but I would need like five star service. What the heck? All right. Hey. Didn't realize I was shopping at a TGI hey, at least Fridays. He's, he's upfront about it though. <laughs> this is really expensive for like. I don't know, it's long time expensive. of waiting. Yeah, of course, all that. TJ Fridays is really expensive. Well, yeah, my experience. 
<laughs> my in what my are you, what are you ordering there? I very rarely I you know how much I eat, dude? I eat a lot of food. I didn't go I didn't go to eat with David Garmos for one two reasons. One, I don't like him. Two, I eat a lot of food. <laughs> but uh I ate a lot of food and I don't want anybody to see that side of me except for Danny O'Donnell. Danny already moved past it. Danny, we had that two week period of not talking to each other after it and he's like, you know what, I'm fine. I was like, Oh can <laughs> do the podcast. I was so nervous. I haven't had a girlfriend in eight years. <laughs> oh, hold on. Sorry, my my, uh, my partner is just walking in. What? I'm on a podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Your partner, you work at <laughs> Facebook in your background over there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Zuck. <laughs> Mark, hey, get out of here, robot. He's like, yes, okay, I will. Um, anyway. I think that we've taken up enough of your time, Mr. Garmo. I know that you're very busy running Google. Um, Facebook. We want to th- uh, give a huge shout out to Groucho Marx and his academy down there in Detroit, <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. I never thought I'd say it, but I want to visit you in Detroit, Michigan. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I know you guys. You guys have one of the only teams in NFL history to ever go 0 and 16. Um, oh my God, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see that. Uh, but. Uh, also, you guys have a rich history of uh, – I'm sure I'll find out when I get there. But we uh, we want to thank you for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, remember you can use our discount code OpenGarCast25 if you want to look thick, mean, swole, the biggest, baddest, meanest, leanest, athletic <laughs> machinist. David Garmo, you would look so much better if you were just to use the OpenGarCast25 uh, oh. discount code electric performance. I'm just kidding. I can't say that. That's like you know conflict of interest. Um <laughs> But yeah, we love those guys. And also, we're going to be commentating Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Woodstock August 20. David must be competing. Through 23rd, we are going to talk to Mr. Peetzman, as you called him. Uh, <laughs> man with just only a slightly better mustache than Garmo. If Garmo would have came if Gar- if, if you would have came on here with a clean mustache and not looking like just general just generally lazy. I'm I'm going to say unkempt. Uh, if you would have came on here and took a little better care of yourself, then if I would have had longer what? than 12 hours notice, okay? This is a process, Longer than right? 12 hours? I had to get a manicure, pedicure. You got to get the haircut. Got to get lined up. You know what I'm saying? Like just, I personally you know? like the look. I'm not going to lie. Oh. I like Danny. Danny, Danny's good. <laughs> shut, shut up. Jake, Daniel, I mess up the time, Daniel. so I have to compliment him all I can. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, next, time, next time you have me here, I'm going to be wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> I really want to get one of those tuxedo t-shirts. But yeah, okay, I'll wear a suit too. I will wear a suit too. If you remind me, I will wear a suit. Okay. All right. Awesome. Cool. Well, David Garmo, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We want to shout out, uh, because we haven't done done an episode in like a week. We want to shout out, let's see, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Woodstock, Maracaba BJJ, Marcio Andre Jiu-Jitsu, Agro Brand, Electrum Performance, Break New Ground, (sighs) High Tier Photography. Chill Fit Cryo and Assembly Jiu Jitsu, Carpe Diem, the entire country of Japan, uh, <laughs> and whoever, uh, whatever Clipper brand, David is going to shave his face, uh, feeling bad, like embarrassingly it's shave his Fabulous. face. It's got a Ferrari motor. I only do, I only use the best. <laughs> wow, he uses a whole ass Ferrari motor. On his face. <laughs> That's great. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. Daniel do you have anyone Don- you want to shout it out? Oh yeah, huh? Um, you guys, you guys put me on the spot. I can't think of things. I have bad memory. I will see you guys later, though. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, Mr. Garmo. And Daniel Donald, why don't you take us out of here? 
Uh, was this episode 32, Jake? This is episode 32. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That was episode 32 of the Open Guard Cast with David Garmo. Definitely check out his gym and follow him on, on Instagram. Thanks.